0: Grace, mercy, and God's peace be to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If you were to describe the perfect Minnesota day, summertime, what would it be? Today. Isn't this spectacular? Just marvelous. Summer. Summer's in full swing. I mean, the flowers and the shrubs, uh, gardens and the fields, green and lush. And what a great time of year to focus on the parable Jesus told us about farming. And you notice the picture that you see on the screen. uh, We got that from Howie and Linda Krinky. That's their farm out in South Dakota. So he said, send us a snapshot of what it's like in central South Dakota. I, I, I don't quite believe them, but nonetheless, it's a marvelous time in the growing season. Well, this parable, our gospel lesson that Pastor Dan read for us this morning, is a parable not primarily about agricultural science. Now, what it says about the scientific aspect of botany and biology and zoology and all the other technical aspects of it is all true. He talks about plant growth, but the main point Jesus wants to make has much more to do with relationships. What happens, Jesus says, when the same message from God, that same message is heard by four different kinds of hearts? How will different people respond to God's message about his love and desire for all people to be part of his eternal family? That's what this is all about. Well, to start with, you have to notice how Jesus lays the groundwork. Here's what he says. He says, in essence, I'm the farmer. Me. I plant the seed. And the seed is my word to you. And you'll notice in each situation, the seed is the same. It's the soil that's different. You've got to keep that in mind as we proceed. But now, a word of caution. Don't try and find yourself or fit yourself into only one of these categories that Jesus talks about. Saying, I'm this kind of ground. The fact of the matter is, all of us have these four kinds in our lives. And one week, I can at the same time be all four soils. One time, I can be callous. Another time, I can be impulsive. Another time, I can allow things to crowd into my life. And at other times, I'm really receptive. So this morning, what I want us to do is to look at these four kinds of soils, four kinds of hearts. Same message of God's love for people. How do people respond? Now, the first one is hardened soil. Hardened soil. And I call that the defensive heart. A defensive heart. Now, the hardened soil represents what I call the defensive heart. That is, uh, someone who's resistant to God's word. See, back in the Palestinian days, the plots of lands are not big. We think of a farm. We think of hundreds of acres, perhaps. But back then, a farm plot wasn't much more than what we would call a glorified garden, just a big garden, that's about all the space they had. So they didn't waste a bunch of space. They would have not farm fields, they would literally walk either at the edge or down the middle in some fashion, but they would go the same place time after time after time. And since it's the same plot of land year after year, generation after generation, that place where they walked got pretty well packed down the paths between the rows. And as this farmer walked on the paths year after year, they became hard and kind of like, like asphalt or concrete, pretty pretty hard. As a result, they would never, never bear anything. So, it's springtime. You're ready to plant the crops. And as he's out throwing the seeds, he's trying to be judicious about it. He's trying to put it where the soil is good and will grow. But you know how that, if you've ever tried to throw some seed, grass seed perhaps, you know, it doesn't always go exactly where you want it. Inevitably, some seed would fall on on the packed, hardened ground. And because the ground was so hard, the seed wouldn't spring up, ever. Well, that's not good for the farmer's crops, but boy, oh boy, the birds loved it, whether they were sparrows or chickadees, whatever it might be. They'd get along, come along, and they'd get a free meal out of the deal. As a result, there was never never any fruit from those seeds. Well, the reason why I say that's a defensive heart is because I think that soil situation represents the kind of person with a closed mind. He rejects it, what God is saying. He's unwilling to listen on his own, saying, I don't want to hear it. I'm, I'm positive you know people like that. And as a result, God never gets through to that individual. Now, I think there's several reasons why people want to, as the gal does, put the fingers in the ear. I don't want to hear it. First one is pride. Most of the time, I think pride is, is, is nothing more than a smoke screen. It's a smoke screen for insecurity. You know, I know the Times will start bragging about the Packers or whoever it might be, you know, but we won't go there. Uh, you start bragging, and start telling people, and start building yourself up. That usually means down inside, I'm kind of insecure. Uh, I don't want to be admitting my weakness. And I'm sure not going to let you know, so I put on this pride thing, and I'm not going to hear what you have to say. Another possibility of why we get defensive about God's stuff, and just keep these things in mind as you're talking with neighbors, friends, family, is fear. It's fear. People become afraid of what God might say. He might be saying, we're afraid, I want you to change your lifestyle. Or I want you to make a difference in someone's life. I'm not always ready or receptive to that idea. So uh, don't talk to me. I'm a bit afraid of it. That's another reason. Well, my friends, if that's your reason for being defensive, let me say relax. And keep that in mind when you're talking to other folks. Because God's a loving God, and He never makes changes in your life except for your own good. So we don't need to be afraid. So what's the second soil? The rocky ground. The rocky ground. I'm calling that the impulsive heart. You know, what's rocky ground? Well, it's the picture. It kind of looks like all these chunks on some hard surface. That's really not what it's talking about. That's a good picture. But when it's talking about the Palestinian ground, the farming ground that they had here, the ground on top would look great. It looked look like a pretty well-turned garden. But in Palestine, that topsoil is pretty thin. Underneath that nice-looking topsoil, there's bedrock of limestone with only this thin layer of topsoil over it. So to plant the seed... It gets planted there, and it pops up. Go, oh, that's great! Looks great. Think we have a great crop this year. But because there's bedrock of limestone only a few inches below the topsoil, that seed can't get roots down very deep into any soil. As a result, the young plants they suffocate when the heat's on, when the trials come. And I think Jesus says this represents the person who's impulsive. In other words, they make a quick commitment. They get excited. Now, excited is good. I mean, I'm excited to be here this morning. I'm excited to hear what a great job of singing we are doing, right? Aren't we doing a good job? Yeah, we're doing great. And that's exciting. I like that. And when people come to Christ for the first time, for however they manage that, however it's managed in their life, they can react emotionally. When God speaks, they're excited. However, with this kind of heart, they don't seem to make a lasting commitment. Did you know that within 72 hours of hearing something, you will forget 95% of what you just heard? 95%. I'm going to quiz you at the end to see if you remember these numbers. Okay, you got it? Within 72 hours, you forget 95% of it. Oh, man. I know, not you guys here. You're the exception. I can come in here on Sunday morning. And get all turned on and excited. I'm ready to take the world on, live for Jesus Christ, be the number one perfect saint. But after 72 hours, I've already forgotten 95%. Now, what was it that I said? It sounded good on Sunday. But what was I going to do? Hmm. doesn't take long to forget. Well, Jesus is in essence saying this is the second type of person. They hear the word. And they get excited because, gee, I'm a sinner. God forgives me. I'm going to heaven because of Jesus. I love it. Let's go. But it doesn't seem to last. That enthusiasm fades. Now, those of you who have spent some time on the farm will know that one of the most successful crops in the United States is, do you know what? Alfalfa. Hey, cattle, horses, whatever. Alfalfa. Grass, so to speak. And the reason why alfalfa is so successful and productive in growing is because it can withstand tremendous heat. And the reason why it can stand with tremendous heat is because alfalfa sends its roots down deep. I'm not talking inches. I'm not talking even a couple of feet. They can go down as far as 20 to 25 feet deep. There, the moisture, the nourishment can be found, and as a result, the alfalfa grows and thrives and comes back year after year. Well, if you're going to make it through the trials of life and hassles and the problems, there's bound to come many of you uh, that, that come. You know, many of us that we're going through them right now, we've got to have roots. The issues that are going on, whether it's jobs or whether because of COVID 19, that we've got to wear masks and be careful where we go, and and then the social unrest, the riots, and all these different things going on, that can undo, and I'm afraid there's going to be one of two things happening with the folks today. Either they're going to become stronger in their faith if they're a Christian, or they're going to become more bitter. I'm hoping for the former. And part of the reason that they become stronger is if they have the deep roots. Otherwise, you'll be a shallow Christian, superficial Christian. And then when the sun, the heat, the pressures come out, we wither. We don't want that. We'll fall apart. Okay. How do we develop these roots in our life? Well, it's not really that tough. I mean, looking around here, you're all folks that have spent many, many years and time in church and Bible study and so on. So you get it. It's not overly complicated. How do you develop roots in your life? First is through the Bible, reading it, thinking about it other thing we're going to do, and we're going to do it next week, we'll explain next week how we do communion. But that's another important way. It's been starvation rations without that these last months. But starting next week, we'll be doing that, and we'll explain that then. But just to give you a little preview, it's going to be single file down the center aisle and being served up front and then returned down the side aisles. But we'll explain that next week. But that presence... Of Jesus' Body and blood, in with and under the bread and wine of communion. A second major, major way of strengthening. And the third way of being strengthened in our faith is worship and fellowship. What you're doing right now, good to see you, good job, you're doing what needs to be done. I said worship and fellowship. Now in part these last several weeks, uh, out in the park here, We have a number of our our gals have gotten together. They bring their lawn chairs and they sit under the pavilion and they just kind of make this big circle. And I'm not real sure. I think there's some Bible study, maybe. I do tend to think there's a lot more uh, opportunity to be with each other. And that's a good thing. That's the fellowship. I'm looking forward to where we can do it more on an extended basis here. But those are very simple things, but nonetheless, they need to be done. Gain a deep root of faith so when the trials of life come along, we've got roots to stand up to the heat, to stand up to the pressure, to stand up to the stress. Well, then that third type of soil that Jesus talks about is the one that ends up with, commingled with weeds, with weeds. And I categorize that as other concerns and interest in our lives. Things that take away from the carrots and potatoes and tomatoes. All those things that take up our time and prevent us from getting to know God. And I think this has been a very difficult time because we've had a lot more freedom in the sense of the calendar. Is this Wednesday? No, wait a minute. I think this is Friday. No, 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 wait a minute. This is Sunday. They get all mixed up and so many things are coming at us that it's easy to lose focus. And a weed, the definition I'm working with, is all those things that take up our time and prevent us from getting to know God. I think folks who are always on the go are probably the most in danger of this temptation. We get going so fast. We have so many things that clamor for our attention. It seems like everybody wants a piece of our time. And all the commitments that we have in our lives divide our loyalties. Well, no big surprise, but we can't do it all, can we? And sometimes, sometimes, who gets left out? God, right? So my definition of, of a weed when it comes to spiritual things is a misplaced priority and anything that you put before God. Notice what I said, anything? Does that mean that we shouldn't have fun? No, not at all. Nothing wrong with having fun. Having fun's a good thing most of the time. It's not wrong to make money. We should use our abilities and talents and opportunities to earn a living and support our families and share with those who have less than we do. That's one of the things we've been doing even in our absence. We're doing some of these collections both for ICA in which we've partnered with other groups helping out in uh, downtown Minneapolis for all the stuff that's going on there. If you've been following along on the web, uh, part of that collection twice a month uh, is there because we've been blessed and we want to share with those who have less Well, what's Jesus' main point in this entire parable? It's pretty simple, really. I want to be first in your life. That's not a bad thing. Because when he is first in our life, there's a lot of good stuff that happens. I love this promise. You've heard it many times yourself. But from Matthew 6, 33. Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then what's the follow-up? All these other things will be added unto you. You're saying, I'll take care of you. You you keep me focused. You keep me in focus. I'll take care of you. And boy, we have to depend on that right now, don't we, in the culture we're living in. I'm going to give you what I call the Randall Neal paraphrase of this verse. I think I did a pretty good job. See what you think. Here it is, Matthew 6:33. Put God number one in your life, and I will bring everything else into focus. Your job, your family, your retirement, your recreation, your friends, your social interaction, everything. He says you put me, notice capital M, that's talking about God, Jesus, at the center of your life, then all these things have their proper place. But if they start demanding more of my time so that I don't have time for God, to serve him or listen to him or whatever, then it's a weed. How would I do? I thought I did pretty good in paraphrasing that. And you probably have your own version of it, but it, it gets the point. That brings us to our final soil type that Jesus talks about. And that's the good soil. The good soil. I'm calling that the noble and the good heart. I love that illustration, the heart with the halo about it what is the good soil? Well, the seed on the good soil stands for those who have a noble and a good heart. It's, it's a heart where the Holy Spirit has worked in with positive results. The faithful Christian's heart is a result of God, the Holy Spirit working in you. Whether your faith was begun early in life as your baptism as a baby or perhaps later in life as an adult when you've heard the Bible truths about Jesus for the first time and how God has created and now sustains that faith in your heart. My friends, because we know it's that life-saving knowledge and acceptance and trust in Jesus Christ as Lord that makes you one of Jesus' own. And the Holy Spirit does that for us, and we're grateful. And being a Christian is exciting and rewarding. But you know, it also involves a bit of work. Well, not working, trying to get to heaven. We know better. Because faith in Jesus has already taken care of that. But as a child of God, what? I'm expected to represent my new family. I'm expected to use whatever gifts and talents and abilities, opportunities come my way to to bear fruit, to pass out and share and give away what I've first been given by God. Did you know that 53% or 53 times, I should say, 53 times in the new testament god says i want you to bear fruit. jesus says by their fruit you will know them. you know for my entire ministry up until these last <laughs> 17 and a half weeks i've been able to look out over the congregation my this is my 15th year here at zion and when i look out and see your faces today i see your eyes and your ears but over the time when i see your faces i see Folks in this church who have potential to become great spiritual giants. I mean dynamic Christians. Using your unique gifts, and I know so many folks say, well, I haven't got any gifts. Saying, yes, you do. So many of us have those unique gifts and skill sets that we can literally shake the West Metro area of the Twin Cities for Christ. So in these next days and weeks, I want you to be thinking. I'm going to call it a challenge, if you will. Challenging you to do several things. Number one, think. Brainstorm. In your own mind, you don't have to be talking to anybody else. But just to be thinking. I want you to be thinking about uh, maybe one great big thing. Or maybe a little tiny thing. I don't care. But one thing that you can do or say or make that would reflect favorable on Jesus What a number of you have done, just on that note, is these things. Some of you here I know have made these different masks that we're passing out. Others are part of the collections that we've been doing with the ICA. Some of you, it's been a phone call. Some of you, it's gathering together in your lawn chairs with your neighbors. Whatever it is, what is it that you can do that would reflect favorably on Jesus? Whether it's a business life, your social life, your family life, What could you say or do that people would have some taste of what being a Christian can be like and that they might think about it in their own life? You don't have to tell anybody, but be thinking this week. For the young young folks that are Christians in our midst here at Zion, what an incredible potential that they have to represent Christ in their surroundings. Because teenagers today, they know stuff, Christian kids, godly stuff that so many of their peers have never heard about, don't know what it all means. Think of the impact that one teenager can have on somebody else, simply by sharing what you already know. Nothing great, out of the ordinary, but as a Christian, something you know and believe already about Jesus. Wow. But, Something's stopping some of you from bearing fruit, isn't it? Perhaps you need to get rid of some of those weeds in your life. Maybe some rocks. And I can't tell you what they are. I don't know what they are. But you do. What is that thing that's hindering, that you don't want to give up, or you don't want to think about, or you don't want to do? Ask yourself, what's keeping me from total commitment to Christ? Because, my friend, God wants you to have a caring and sharing heart. God wants you to develop an open and receptive heart. God wants you to develop an open and receptive heart which is sensitive to the needs of others around you. So, why not share what you know and believe with someone you know who isn't connected to Jesus? And perhaps, just perhaps, as a result of your fruit, another soul can join you in heaven. Remember, with that deep spiritual root, you're better able to withstand the crisis, both the personal or marital or business, whatever may come your way. You're solidly connected to Jesus. That's why you're here this morning, isn't it? Savor that gift, that life that you have with joy in your heart and a smile on your face, even if we can't see that smile these days. So may God continue to watch over and be with and bless you and us, so that together he's glorified and the message of salvation is shared. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.